yes, we won. We won. We won. This is our city. Mind the gap. Fucking scope. Oh, we are fucking hell robbers, bastards. Get moving, come on! I ain't shaking a bit! At last, my love has come along. My lonely days are over. Welcome to Tales of the East End, episode 103, and we are back, and it is still sponsored by Camille, Tala, Toy, Village Takeaway, Prof's favourite, Gar's favourite, everybody's favourite, it's fantastic, go down and get the takeaway menu, the hot and sour soup, the fresh chilli crispy chicken, gobble it up, it's gorgeous, and uh, yeah, check them out in Tala Village, they are still sponsoring us because they're deadly, and uh, it's actually top, top class food, it's really nice, check them out, match day deal, fiver. No, it's not forever. It's a tenner. <laughs> it's a tenner for uh, a meal and a drink. So it's really good value. So check them out. I concur. Yes, he certainly does. So um, we have part one of our new Shamrock Rovers 11 feature. We have Dutch, Jerry and Mick Cairns. The whack. Love to win that cup. Deciding which goalkeepers are going to be on the pole uh, for and um, after Milltown teams. So it's before and after Milltown. And we also have another quiz quarterfinal between Greg Bulger and Ethan Boyle. So battle, the Battle of Wexford. Hashtag Wexford Warfare. Hashtag <laughs> Wexford Warfare. So we're still not in Johnny Blues. The roof is still sponsored by Jen Connolly. And uh, he is doing a fine, fine job on the roof of Johnny Blues. Um, hopefully somewhere to stash cans and keep them cool. John is a forward-thinking man and he knows how we roll. I'm sure he's taught it. Johnny Blues is falling down. <laughs> we beat Boas. So it's uh, still under construction and we will let you know as soon as it is ready to rock. Last week's show, uh, it was actually the first show in a couple of months, I noted, that wasn't two hours long. And yet still, there were comments on like, why is it so short on I Derby know, Week? Yeah. On Derby Week yeah. of all things. I think yous have been spoiled. They are. That's They're getting happened. too much. That's it. They need to be put back into shape. Mm. But um, yeah, well, we're back in the props there. And uh, I still <laughs> haven't found the secret lair. There's a little trap door mm. anywhere. The, he keeps the, all the bodies. The trigger somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have to move a statue, and then the, the bookcase spins around. The you, bodies dangle. Off air, there you said you were listening to Extra Time Sports Cast. Yeah, off, it, was, with, it was really good. Uh, Connor Kearns was on. I was listening to myself the other day because I wanted to hear uh, Dave Donnelly talk about his article on the Leinster Senior Cup. This they, this was an amazing article. They, I think they took the piss out of him for that. Yeah. They, they took the no. I can't remember what it was. It, it was, was it was titled. Only three things are certain in life: death, taxes, and the Leinster Senior Cup. This was absolute poetry. Really? Was that good? It was. It was great. I'll have to but, check um, it. Also, while they were talking, they brought up an article on Football Three Six Five called "The Football Revolution Will Not Be Televised; It'll Be Podcasted" by Johnny Nicholson. I think you read this too, Gary. Yeah, I read this one. <laughs> and first of all, I can't even wrap my head around the amount of football podcasts this guy listens to. It's a lot. Holy shit! I listen to. Like some of the ones he listened to, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. 
I can't fit them in now. Recently, because I'm I'm back working in a different building now, I can kind of listen to podcasts where as I couldn't before, and uh, I'm back on the buzz now. So it'll be it'll be a few a few. I'll be getting back in touch with the with the game and seeing I, what the crack is. But there was so many on that on that list. I have one day where I can listen to podcasts, but it's a Saturday, so it's the end of the football week. It's kind of the worst time, so I'm not really sort of interested in going back over them again. But if I'm lucky, I can hear like two football podcasts in a week. But uh, it was interesting to hear him talk about his, his his theories as to why there's such a podcast boom, especially in football. And he, a lot of what he said made sense. It's like people are commuting, uh, you know, in public transport or in the car. And But there were a lot of differences to England and Ireland, I noticed. Like he was talking about people are being priced out by Sky and BT Sports, whereas they can listen to this for free, football analysis. Rather than having to pay to listen to whatever Gary Neville and we could be the longest podcast running. I think we should check back the dates and when LOI Weekly came out. We started at the same time as them. The same time, I think. Yeah, I, th- extra, I think we're nearly bang on with extra episodes. time. Extra time are, are gone on more. Yeah, they yeah they are. They, they, Remember, they, they re- this, that's their one hundred fifty ninth episode. Now. They reached their hundred far earlier than we did. But like I'm talking about people being priced out. Compare that to Ireland. That's not the case at all. But uh, Dave and Deccan were talking about kind of what's poor about our coverage in this country, and that is Soccer Republic. You don't get replays. You don't get lineups. And that kind of jumped out at me because on this show, we make a point to tell you who's in and out of the team before yeah. each game. And I think that's like informative. That's important. It is. It's such a poor product that we, we receive from Soccer Republic. I mean, think about how little effort they put into it. They don't give you lineups. Like, think about that. Don't give you lineups. Don't give you replays. I think maybe for the live game, they pop up the team at the bottom at the very start. I mean, how cool that's is it. our product that we have for SRFC TV? That's that's an amazing product. Yeah. Like, why can't they just go the extra mile? The replay is a killer for me as well. Like, oh man! Even crackers, like some of us got from thirty yards, and we've we've, we've and had some, a few scored on us this and season. And then some guys taking a throw in straight after, and you're <laughs> like, you're trying to let let us settle in, like the goal. And uh, it's little things, but they matter, I think. Yeah, but, uh, I think so. He also talked, Johnny Nick, he talked about um, a lot of people spend their time alone. That makes sense as well. Yeah, so, I mean, if you've got like an hour to spare, like for mm-hmm. instance, if, if, if I'm at work, the earphones are on. If if I'm in the the building that I can listen to, like it, I'm, I'm constantly listening to stuff. I'm not mm-hmm. interacting with people, let's be honest, I'll just get stuck in. But um, yeah, it's great. Like 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 we were told before, someone I think we got a couple of points ball for us in Norway because uh, someone walks the dog. Yeah, yeah. He right. walks his dogs and he's to the show. You know, yeah. bit of crack. So there's all sorts. Aussie Nate was in touch, girl. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you. Yeah, he says he wants to remind Gary that you still have one more podcast to go before you can officially claim to be a centurion of the podcast industry. Yeah, I remember that Aussie Nate. <laughs> Fucking smart ass. Well, next week, yeah, we'll, we'll pop the balloons and all. Mm, I think I'll have to give immigration a little phone call. <laughs> also, that was his first ever derby win. What? Yeah. Stats for the Aussie Nate guy. That blew me away, that did. Because he mm. only... Remember that Dundalk away game in the Cup? I don't, think that, I don't know if that was his first game, but it was in and around there, wasn't it? And that's when we kind of started our No our way! His first one? It was May 2017. So all he knows is hurt. And pain. Yeah. 
What a moment for him. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely insane. We'll get on to that soon. Um, how about right now? So, uh, we beat Bowles 1-0 on Friday, and this was one in 10 derbies across Europe and South America. I caught the... What, what else did I catch? I caught the Rome-Lazio one, which was insane. First 26 minutes, the post was hit five times. There was a penalty for Roma. Italian Berkey, was it? Ah, it was nuts. It was nuts. Like, uh, Ciro Immobile. You like that? I do. Ray Whelan will be cringing in his... In his kitchen, as he hears this, he hates when people pronounce <laughs> names like that. Um, yeah, ah, he missed a couple of sitters. It was a cracker of a game. Uh, crowd didn't look great on telly for that, but there was a lot, a lot of derbies. There was the Vienna derby. Mm. There was uh, River and Bocker. The old firm. The old firm, 2-0 to Celtic. Arsenal Your favourite prof. Yeah, yeah, Arsenal and Spurs as well. So fuck, fuck Celtic. There's there derbies. Was, there was some other sporting events on at the weekend. Uh Involving organisations that tried to kill our football club. Yeah, I think so. And um, I uh, I watched some paint dry for an hour and a half. Was and, it better? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the Bowls game, 1-0 prof. Let's just say that again. 1-0. We've... The gypsy curse is finally over. The jinx is ended. The jinx has ended. Take that and swally that fucking skinny latte of yours over there in D7 you pretentious fucks <laughs> we're gonna stick it in here stick the knife in and just wait for the Twitter comments to come in um, 18.99 bar beforehand probably a million the points I was yeah uh, a couple of lads weren't there uh, Carl Kearns and James Lowe proving that they in fact were the jinx because they went to electric blanket and <laughs> of course you had Carl Kearns starting a thread on the Rovershire saying whoever didn't go to the cup games doesn't go to the final so Carl you can't go to the derbies yeah, anymore he's officially banned the derbies <laughs> I did miss him standing behind me in the perch because I'm so used to t- derbies turning around to Carl and we just look at each other and we're like I hate derbies yeah the the perch is the no, place to be isn't he wasn't it? there uh, the last we talking about the Waterford game I think it was the the away one that had been a couple of weeks earlier the cameraman that day seemed obsessed with Deco. Like, nearly all five goals. Aren't, camera, we, aren't we all? The camera, no, the camera panned to him. But uh, maybe cameramen are also interested in Keith Comerford because I know they went on him a couple of times and the goal against Bowes, he was front and centre as well. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's an old camera horror, isn't he? He just dives right in there. I think it's more of a case of the camera being put somewhere in particular and he just leaps across the south stand. Yeah. To, to get into Is it. Is he a media who? Vadouche. So would... Deco, by the way, Gar, uh, potentially a Welsher, much like yourself with that bet with Tuchy last year. A, a Welcher? Yes. Because he lost that bet with me that Roberts wouldn't score more than seven goals against UCD. I'm still waiting. Keep your hands in your pocket, pro- or Deco, keep your hands in your pocket. But the lads headed out early to the perch. Shockingly early. I think they went out at like 25 past seven. That's it. That's pretty early. Reserving them. Yeah, reserving the yeah. perch. Absolutely jammers. When did I got did in. the trick anyway. I actually couldn't watch the game from the south stand because yeah, big Kieran McBride was in my way and he was he, he stepped back and he goes, go on. So I stepped in and I could sp- still barely see the game. Absolutely packed, jam-packed and it's a fantastic well, the problem to have. The club announced before the game that because like your, your season ticket is not stand specific anymore. So they announced that if the if a stand of your choice is packed, 
shortly before a kickoff, you may not necessarily get in. Which was the case. With, and you found out that the hard way. Yeah, with Jaden, yeah. Um, Jaden was taken in by his uncles and he was in the East stand and then I went to go and get him and they wouldn't let him in. It was like uh, it was like a scene from a movie we were touching hands through the gate. It was like, <laughs> no, Jaden! No! I you said, I'll see you later. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'll be in the bar. Uh, no, he got through a half time anyway. I worked the charm. But uh, yeah, no, they, he wasn't letting the the security security guard Stuart wasn't letting it happen at all. I had to talk to the head guy. Fair play though. So um, yeah, he was doing his job, alright. Podcast wankers. Yeah. thinking they should get benefits. That's what he was. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm Gary P. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the mood beforehand, uh, I was I was jovial and uh, qu- quite uh, expectant of a win. To be honest, I was confident but extremely nervous. Well, we always feel like this. We always feel like... Well, Daily Mount's different, but at home I always think that we'll get something out of it. Not necessarily. I was not confident in the previous two. The first game, the first day of the season, yeah, I was. Then Tata, I was just too nervous and I thought something might go wrong here. Daily Mount, I had zero confidence and I was baffled by your enthusiasm going around Fisber that day, convinced that we'd win. I remember you were like... Yeah, I blame I remember like the Bookies were... Bookies are 3-1, Carl. I they're just, never wrong. I just and I'm like, <laughs> they've been wrong eight times. I blame. They're Pr- always wrong. I blame the Pratsky. Blame, blame <laughs> the Pratsky. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's just. Uh, can we just can we just stop right now and just say that you wanted to drop Borky and so did Jason Maloney? Can we say that? Can we just make that on the record? Yeah, they made me look foolish. Of course, yeah. he did. Can we put that on the record? Maloney said it as well. Jason Maloney yeah. from Ballyferm. A few people said it. Yeah, the biggest club as he was known on the forum. In fairness, based on obvious glasses, is. black hair, did an impersonation on the on the uh, documentary there. In fairness, had, you might know. Had, had anyone read the Bill Berkey so far in the five games? No, not in no. fairness. You're right. You're right. But that's that's why you, you can't drop him because he produces the moment of magic. So and, and yeah, I'll hold my hands up on that one. Get those hands up, prof. But, uh, Get them up. Pretty much everyone was saying was, be it supporters, pundits, was that we had to win. Like, had to win. Had to. No choice. So the pressure, pressure was on. Pressure was really on. I'd say Bradzer was only sweating in the in the on the touchline. Just the thoughts of another <coughs> loss were just terrifying. So, did you like the lyrics of uh, our closing song last week? I'm gonna. Quickly run through the mirror. It went as follows. No, you're going to sing them, prof. No, it's a song. I'm going to speak them. Sing. I'm speak them. Spoken word. <laughs> Spoken word, how bows. Yeah, I oh know. I'm a poet now. <laughs> it's always been wishing. It's always been imagination. It's always been, could you wait until tomorrow? I'm counting those some days and how they've come and gone. I'm watching my calendar and those gone tomorrows. You keep telling me it's going to be next time. You promise me it's going to be next time. But I'm tired of waiting. Anticipating, I need you this time. Gonna be the one. This is gonna be the one. Gonna be the one this time. This time. This time. <laughs> this time. This time. You have to play some jingly music in the background. Was th- was that the most apt song we've ever played? Ah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. And it, it it rubbed off. So, what was your feeling on the previous eight derbies? Was it actually a mental thing where we were beaten before we went down the pitch? I just always think that we can go out and get something in a derby. It's just the mentality that I have. I, I don't. I always think we can get something out of any game. You know me. I, I like to think that a glass half full and all that. But this one in particular, I just thought there is no way we're gonna lose this one. 
Whereas beforehand, the other ones, I, there was always a thought in my mind that, you know, anything can happen, but I still think we could get the result. With this one, I just thought, no, we're winning. I felt the same, but because it's bows and because of the pressure, you're just tense. They and didn't lie uh, down again either. They were yeah. they, they, they they stuck it up to us, so we'll talk about that soon. Tommy um, was trolling us uh, after the game. You know, so he put up a thread on Rorusha saying like, well done the lads they put in a shift and played for the shirt like that that's a shot at like every single derby in the last two years where everyone immediately jumps to that like oh they're not playing for the shirt yeah, I mean they're yeah. obviously trying like of the eight games like two of them were totally ruined by red cards this season the second one or the third one was our own fault we gave away two penos well we spoke about that Man's on the scored a worldie yeah we spoke about that about how Littered with uh, inaccuracies and craziness that the derby has been, and we just wanted a fair crack at the whip. That's all it was. We just wanted a fair mm. shot, and finally, we and, were, we and that was there. part of the reason I was a bit more confident because Hennessy was ref, like a referee who's not like a psychopath. He was actually good. Um, one of the one of the better refs. So, uh, yeah. So the, the the general mood. I mean, like my young lad Jaden was talking about. It was actually a proud moment because. All of the young lads that he hangs around with from his area, he's gotten them involved in Rovers as well. So there's about six or seven of them all from the road and they're all at the game. And it just he, he was made up. And I was just looking up at him at the, at the full-time whistle with all his mates running the muck in the south stand with the ultras and singing songs, just thinking that yeah, hopefully they'll stick at it and they'll keep going. You said like a lot of neutrals went to this game. Like A your, lot your of neutrals. All my stuff. in-laws were there. Yeah. Uh, brothers, the whole lot like people from work Jaden's manager like a lot of a lot of people went and they all just were they all agreed that it was just a fantastic occasion the football might necessarily not have been fantastic but they just agreed that it was a brilliant brilliant occasion and hopefully it keeps going I mean 7,000 fans is, is epic fantastic stuff and I'd love to see the whole stand full Jacko is the main man Jacko's the star the, the, the star attraction there I reckon but um yeah, now, so before we delve into our game, we have our Shamrock Rovers 11 feature. So we have Dutch, Jerry and the Whack, and they're going to rattle out their favourite goalies. Okay, so it's time now for our Shamrock Rovers all-time 11 feature. So what's going to happen here is here we're going to interview two different people each week in different positions. So this week it's goalkeeper. So we have Mick Kearns here to, to tell us his four best goalkeepers before 1987. And we have Dutch, Jerry. He's going to give us his shortest of four of goalkeepers after 1987 so the WAC is going to pick first oh by the way just to mention uh, for example Alan O'Neill and Peter Eccles they're going to go into the category of pre-Milltown because that's where they're most known for that's where they played most of their football for the hoops Ooh. even though they won a title in 1994 but that's how we're going to treat it so okay. the WAC is going to go first your first goalkeeper right well look uh, I there was, there was, now I didn't see Jimmy Cummins but I heard talk about him so maybe Jimmy Cummins was, 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 was up there uh, after Jimmy basically um, I would say Pat Dunn no I'm not nominating Pat Dunn because I didn't really see much of him but it, after that was absolutely Alan O'Neill uh, Dave Henderson and Jody Bourne so it was them four that I would, I would nominate. Um, starting off with Jody. Jody came into the four in a row and he was absolutely fabulous. Obviously, there was a bit of 
Hullabaloo when Jim McLaughlin came in and got rid of Alan Hullay, which was major surprise to because Alan was never let us down. And in fairness to Jody, Jody didn't either, but an awful thing about Jody that people probably don't realise, Jody played in every game in the fourth in a row, as far as I'm aware. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I think he was rested maybe for one game right at the end when I think Dermot Keighley put out a reserve side. We'd already won the title. Yeah. But I think he played in virtually every game. Which is which is incredible. And and when you look at the, the them four years, no one else done that. So Jody deserves massive credit for that. And massive credit for the way he handled himself after Alan went and then everyone's looking, Who's Jody Bourne? What's he doing? Like, he was unknown quantity because he was playing with his own dark reserves. But he never let us down. And were you sceptical as well when he came in to replace uh, Alan? Yeah, because he'd come from the Dundalk reserves. And but friends to McLaughlin, he was in Dundalk at that stage, so he'd, he'd known him. And uh, he was great. Joe, he was super, and he has the medal to prove it. So, Jerry, you're going to give us your first goalkeeper post-Milltown. Uh, yeah, post-Milltown. I actually wanted to start off by nominating a goalkeeper that I hope Mick has chosen as well. I want to pick uh, Robbie Horgan probably the only only player that has played in both Milltown and in, uh, and in Tallaght. Right. Of course, we know Robbie not only has a go- good goalkeeper, but he's like a gentleman as well. Uh, he's been around a long time. He has quite a journey. Also, uh, you could notice around the ground, like he had a health scare earlier this year, everybody wishes him best. and Absolutely. Everybody wish- wishes he makes a good recovery. So I'd like to start with uh, Robbie Hogg. By the way, just a bit of background on yourself. You yourself used to be a goalkeeper. I used to be a goalkeeper in Holland in like uh, the, fir- the third and the fourth year nationally. It's a long time ago, like 25, 28 years ago. And I basically played for the one club like from a whole career, from when I was 18 until I was fir- 31, I think, until the time that I moved to Dublin. When did you start following Roberts? Yeah, well, that's a bit like a funny story as well. Like the team that I played for my whole career, our biggest rivals was the nearby city, and they played in uh, red and black stripes. So <laughs> that was colours I was never going to support. So I mean, like uh, if you want to see good football, like I live a bit like on the west side. When I start following Rovers, we played in Tolka, so it was an easy choice for me to make. So because of your experience as a keeper, you always have to sort of a one eye on our goalkeepers most interesting position for you yeah you keep a bit of an eye out even during when we're in the attack like how they position themselves and what they're doing it's just like a, a sixth sense that as a, as a former goalkeeper you keep a special out, eye out for, uh, for the goalkeepers that are playing for overs so Mick give us your second keeper my second keeper has to be Alan O'Neill <coughs> um, <coughs> safe pair of hands always done well commanding his back four very vocal very agile like Alan was absolutely top drawer um, a complete gentleman as well still is today I mean he still still look, looks out for the club and he's still a Rovers man at heart he obviously won the titles with Dundalk but um, he won, won an awful lot with us but Rovers was his first love and uh, I always remember Alan talking about the first day he walked into Milltown sitting with these stars in the dressing rooms and um he just graduated from there and he went on and he never let us down, Alan. And you know, uh, and then of course he, he he came back under Ray Tracy to win a title in '94, which was absolutely brilliant. But Alan, Alan, Alan would definitely be me, 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 me other nomination for for one of the, one of the legends uh, prior to getting to 1987. You know. And what strengths and weaknesses would you compare between Jody and Alan? 
I think Gallon was more vocal. He was very good in the air. Jody was a good shot stopper. Um, but look, some people say Jody didn't. He had a, he had a back four in front of him, which was amazing. I mean, we all know who the who the who the back four was. But Alan probably hadn't got as much experience in front of him, but he was still top top draw goalkeeper. Any club would have loved him to have him, and that's 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 that proved that when um, when Jim McLaughlin let him go. Um, he was snapped up by UCD and, and and I always remember when they bet us in the cup final in '84, which is still heartbreaking. But um, he was he was great. I mean, he played it under under 21 international level as well for the Republic of Ireland. So says an awful lot. I'm amazed Alan actually didn't go away. Uh, just didn't happen for him at one stage. But um, it looked like it was going to happen, but didn't happen. But he, I think he was happy enough because he, he spent his whole working life in the civil service, and maybe at that time the money wasn't wasn't what it is now and. He'd be better off staying there and looking after his family, which he did. So, yeah, I'll know now. Okay, Jerry, you're a second goalkeeper. Uh, my second goalkeeper that I would like to nominate is uh, Ryan Thompson. I know you're not supposed to like uh, nominate somebody like based on one match and one save, but uh, he was our goalkeeper in a match that basically was a defining moment, not only for Rovers but in Irish football, with us uh, reaching the group stages in that match in Belgrade in which he's, he was like actually very good but I think like if you speak to a lot of people around that save that he made in that match was for a lot of people probably one of the best saves they have ever seen um, I think he was also like a bit of a character and a bit of a joker to have around like who praised the Lord for everything he did so I think for a lot of fans when it comes to goalkeepers he's a bit of a cult figure and just like based on that uh, match in Belgrade, I'd like to put him in here. And before this interview, you actually wrote out every goalkeeper that's played for us since, what was it, the late 90s? No, this is basically all the goalkeepers since 2001, 2001. when I moved to Dublin yeah. that I have seen uh, that I have seen in the flesh. So uh, I, I had to think really hard about, yeah. some, uh, about some, but... Actually, quite a few, and I think like since 2001, we had like 25 different goalkeepers uh, mm. for us. So uh, it was a uh, it 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 was a good way of thinking, like who uh, was going to pick out of those. But I think uh, Thompson uh, definitely has to be in there, just based on that save and that match, which everybody really remembers uh, fondly. As agile as he was, though, is he the worst kicker of a ball in that entire list? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you got a back pass, like, uh, half the ground would have a heart attack. But, uh, I mean, like, you have to take the good with the bad and the bad with the good. So, I mean, like, uh, just based on, like, purely his athleticism and that save that he made, like, from a goalkeeper point of view... Like, uh, I wouldn't really compare it with the Gordon Banks uh, save that is still going around, but it's, it's, it is close to it, I think. He's only two spots left, so he's leaving out a big, big name goalkeeper, I think. But, uh, Mick, what's your third? See, the third is getting more difficult because it's gone deep into the, into the early 70s, late 60s. But um, <coughs> the one that I've seen, and maybe other fans say, look, no, it was better than that. Uh, Dave Henderson was a good goalkeeper. But um, Dave was a fireman, and uh, then he went into, into uh, scouting and coaching and all that. But Dave was a good goalkeeper, and he came from a good goalkeeping family. He would have been 1970s, same time as Alan O'Neill. Exactly. Him and Alan were vying for the place in Milltown for the number one spot. 
but they've kept um, Alan out for a long time and he never let us down either but uh, I just couldn't go on what I seen and so I'd have to go at what I seen but in the between them I just want to give a mention to John Osborne who Chelsea brought back uh, brought over from West Brom for a European run he played a few games and you could see that man's quality at that stage but uh, he was coming to the end of his career but my nomination would definitely be maybe Dave Henderson you know so if we're picking four, John Osborne is your fourth, is it? No, I just wanted to throw it in that. Oh, honourable mention. He was quality, but uh, yeah. do you want me to mention the fourth now? I will come back to you, so. Yeah. So, Jerry, you're third. Uh, my third nomination would be the current goalkeeper, uh, Alan Manis. Uh, he was with us, like, uh, in, in the great year 2011, and... Uh, I know it's, it wasn't really easy, you know, from a goalkeeper to come from Linfield to Rovers, you know, there's a lot of people looking at it in, in a different way, but I think he had some really good performances. One of the things that re- I really remember is like I was watching the match against, uh, in Tel Aviv against Nayahuda on a, on a stream on a computer and after Tommy Stewart put us one up like my nerves were through the roof and those last 20 minutes seemed to last like three hours yeah and he made like crucial saves that got us through that got us through there i also think like i was a bit sad when he went to st johnston because i think if he would have stayed he and he would have still been here he would have been here for like seven eight years and that would be would really put him up there but i think like if you look at last season uh, we were struggling a bit and I don't think it was a coincidence <coughs> that when he came in got back into the team like the last part of the season was like really good and I think that was a big part to do with him and I'm a big fan of Alan uh, I have to say well, Mick is talking about uh, 1984 when uh, Jody Byrne replaced Alan O'Neill there was kind of fan uproar at the time was there something similar in 2009 when Barry Murphy had been such a mainstay in the team and in came Alan Manis yeah I think for me like not really like I think if you look at it from a quality point of view like Barry of course like had a really good time with us um, and he, w- he was with us for, for a long time but I think like in the end you have to do what is best for the team best for the club and at that time, I think it was a good choice to go for Alan uh, in, instead of Barry. And I think, like, if history has learned us anything, I think that was a good choice altogether. Okay, number four, Mick. Um, looking back, I'd say it has to be probably Pat Dunn. Um, he started off with Rovers, then he got uh, a move to Manchester United. Obviously, had a glit- glittering career over there. Then he went to Plymouth, and then he actually came back to, back to Rovers. And great serving with the club. I wouldn't have seen a lot of them. That's I wouldn't have seen them to be honest with you. But uh, you know, like like in in them days, keepers were longevity. They stayed a long time in between the posts. There wasn't the the, the quickness and turnaround of contracts that you have today, even goalkeeping. So for that reason, Pat or Pat Pat uh, Pat Dunn, yeah. I think of the eight goalkeepers today. I'm pretty sure he's the only one who scored a goal because he used to take penalties, didn't he? He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm just reading about him and been talking to the other older older fans in Rovers, and uh, they always talked to me over the years about Pat Dunn. He was absolutely super. And look at the career he had, and, and then he came back. He was goalkeeping coach in our latter years on, on the road in Talca Park. He was still there, so he's a good servant to the club. Pat Dunn. So, so when the poll goes up in Rovers, chat on Monday. Out of those four, 
that you've given us, who are you going to go for? My personal choice would be Jody for what he won with the club. And I think I know who this is, but uh, give us your fourth keeper, Jerry. Yeah, well, it, it might not come as a surprise to my friends that know me a bit, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Tony O'Dowd, uh, who's a bit of a, of a hero uh, to me. I think it's a bit as well because he reminds me of myself when I was a goalkeeper like I wasn't like world class but uh, decent enough I would love the club that I played for I would really dislike the biggest rivals um, I met Tony a couple of times like privately and you couldn't meet a nicer guy and he always wanted to know everything about Rovers about the 400 club and he just seemed to be Rovers through and through. Also, like when Patches said that we had a keeper scoring a goal, I maintain to this day that I think we played Cork in Richmond Park on a really rainy night that he had a really long kick out that I think Noel Hunt claimed to have a to uh, to have a touch and claimed it, but to this day I said that was Tony's goal. So just from like to me, Tony is just like a cult figure and a legend, and I love him to bits and. I, I really like it that he's still involved uh, in the club and in the, in the schoolboy section with the underage team so I hope to see him around for a long time He's famous for winding up all his fans wasn't he? Yeah well that's, that's one of the things why he really endears to me <laughs> so uh, that's why I have him in here so. And he still won't look at the camera when in, a, in a team photograph yeah. <laughs> We had him on the podcast and we couldn't get that story out of him about when he was in the taxi with you and uh, you drove by near Dennyman Park, so could you give us that story? Uh, well, I don't know if, that's, if that uh, story aged already from a legal uh, point of view, <laughs> but uh, I think we once stopped off there and uh, took some stuff uh, with us that we didn't really like, but it's, uh, it's a long time ago, so I, I don't know if he, if he remembers that. But Before I ask you who you're going to vote for, Mick, do you think that's a controversial one? He's left out Barry Murphy. Um, look at this, the choice there is fantastic I mean look look, he, he, I mean, the amount of keepers he has to choose no look it's, it's his decision and with all respect to um, Barry uh, he was a decent player a decent goalkeeper Barry but he didn't win at him you know I'd, I'd always go with goalkeepers at once so if I could plus I think the fact that he moved to Bohemians like was probably the only reason why I didn't include him but uh, yeah, yeah. crawled out on the defence a funny story about a goalkeeper uh, that I might share is <coughs> when Noel King was the manager in the RDS we were um, we struggling for, for relegation right um, with a couple of serious games coming near the end of the season and I remember a good Rovers fan ringing John McNamara one morning we were going to play Waterford that night in Waterford and he informed them that uh, Paul Kavanagh won't be making, he's not well. And I got a phone call from this guy, he says, Paul Kavanagh's not, not well. I said, that's funny. I'm after seeing him coming out of Coilmore at the end of uh, Nassau Street with a bag of cakes. And he, he walked in near Suffolk Street. So I'll tell you what I'll do, I'm going to ring him up and tell him what I think of him. So I got on to, to Norwich Union, an office block at the end of Suffolk Street. And I asked the girl in the reception, says, because um, we did Paul Cavanagh, please. Hang on, I'll put you through. So he put me through the Paul Cavanagh. I said, Paul, I'm a Rovers fan. And what you've done today is despicable. Now, I won't say what else we said, but we had a go with him on the phone, and he was dumbfounded what we said. 
he never played and I, I said to you and he says you'll never play with the hoops again now Tracy uh, or Kinger who was the manager sorry basically ran him after that when he found out that he was uh, he was well he was in work and he didn't turn up for the fight again we were fighting relegation we stayed up obviously but um, that was one story that Paul Cavanagh I think he, he was so shocked that day he didn't even he didn't even speak on the end of the phone so he'd done a yellow on the club but that was one of the run-ins I've ever had with a Rovers goalkeeper which was completely wrong in his, his part you know I had um I had a funny thing some years ago, like uh, we had this time in the club where you could bet on the players' jerseys at the end of the season, and then the winning bid would get the jersey, so I obviously always wanted to have the goalkeeper jersey. Now, for the two times that I won the bid, it actually happened that the first goalkeeper uh, wasn't present on the night that the shirts were given out. So I have two signed jerseys now at home. Match worn one with all the badges, and one is signed by John O'Guinness, and the other one by Robert Duggan. <laughs> so there you go. It's a memorabilia. Ah, yeah. So of the shortlist of four you gave us, who are you going to vote for? Uh, it's it's a mix between uh, between Alan Manners and Tony O'Dowd, but uh, just personally, I would stick with Tony O'Dowd. And obviously, it's both tonight. Are we going to end the hoodoo? It's it's about time. I have a really good feeling about it, but I did some things. I have my rituals normally for this match, and I had a bit of a change from what I normally do. Had different things to eat, <laughs> so um, I I have really good home. I think it is time we put this uh, to bed. And I think like if we see us play the last couple of weeks, I think we should be able to uh, to do it. Make we do. I think you will. I have a good feeling. Like um, we were saying there, I mean, we're on a great run of form. Uh, we're a better side than them. We're a better squad. All the things stack up that we are a better team. The league table doesn't lie. It's just a matter of getting out there and doing it and keeping the head and don't do any rash decisions. Don't give them an advantage like we have in other games, sending off some penalties. Keep the, keep the head, even if it's into the 90th minute, just keep the head and keep plugging away. And I think we will open them up. I really believe tonight we're going to end it and we're going to have a great evening. Yeah, so that was the lads. Uh, I loved Jerry because he's he loves a rivalry. You know, he, <laughs> if you're Bowes, he hates you. The reason he picked Rovers was because Bowes were black and red. <laughs> he didn't want that to do with them. So that's yeah. it. You love a bit of needle, and he and loves Tony Adele partly because he used to like because he insults riots. Give the Bowes fans stick. Barry Murphy left, crawled out under the fence to join Bowes. He gets left out. A the lot shortlist. of people would have Barry Murphy as their number one. When, so when he didn't even get on the list so Jerry's holding on to that tight I love it Jerry when love that short list goes up there's going to be a lot of posts of like where's Baz where's Baz where's Baz and we're going to like listen to the podcast yeah, he didn't like, put him in yeah the one guy oh why should one guy get to be why because it's Jerry mm. that's why yeah. aka Holland Hoop on the Holland form. Hoop yeah we were talking about and of course the whack we don't even need to say anymore on the whack as it's just been to say the whack we were talking to the lads in the 1899 bar like what a great nickname the, the whack. whack sounds ominous at times. Sounds like he <laughs> like he's a mob hitman or something, doesn't it? Yeah, just just pops into my head as I was like think of nicknames. It's like who are we gonna get? <coughs> this guy's messing us around. <laughs> Got to call the whack. <laughs> Another nickname I love in as a Rowers fan. I don't I only met him once. Don't even know anything about him. But I was meeting Jimmy Conroy in it was it was Christmas Eve just gone and I remember he was like 
he was pissed off that the pub had closed at six already. <laughs> and so this fella comes over and started talking to us and his name was Banjo. Pa- no way. Yeah, so we're there we're there talking about robbers and I think he'd heard of I think he'd heard of me writing in the programme or something, so he was interested. So I was talking to him about that. So he went off and it was just me and Jimmy then. And I says, Why is he why is his name Banjo? I goes, Oh yeah, Carl, we call him Banjo, because he's banjoed after four points. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, original, love it. Yeah. There's plenty of people who could call Banjo on the bus. <laughs> yeah, so we'll delve straight into the game, into the team, and Joey O'Brien. Having missed the five games since Cyprus was back in for Boyle at Roy Fall. I didn't I wasn't I wasn't too um I wasn't too off with Finnar, was I? I got a bit of flack about that. What did you say right back? I said right back he ended up a right full back and he had Joey in a centre tree. Mm. I think that's the way it was, wasn't it? Then they played Joey Pico. Like I said, information confused me. So. It was, it was the cloud I'm, again. I'm leaving this to you. The cloud suckered us in. I think I think Finn was a little bit on the right, so um He has been there lately. I'll, I'll say that's a ding for me. Uh, yeah, so we had uh, Byrne, McInef and Finn all came in as expected and Green played up front to the Cummins and Gary O'Neill started ahead of Greg Bulger. Now that was the interesting one. Very, very interesting. So yeah. the fact that he didn't play against Waterford three days prior and also he was put forward for media duty if you noticed that before the Bulls game. That was a strong clue Yeah, yeah. that he was going to play in the game and uh, I was talking to him not only has he never played in the derby, he's never. Not only has he ever never been to the ground, he's never even seen one on TV. You serious? He's never seen a Dublin derby on TV. He had literally no idea what it looked like. Jesus, throwing in the deep end there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd really like them. Like in the games leading up to this, uh, O'Neill has been impressive. Yeah, he's he's but, really impressed me. So when I was picking my team last week, smooth. I was picking with him last week. I felt like I couldn't pick both him and Bulger, but I'm such a huge fan of Bulger in these kind of games. I, I gave him the edge. People say they're similar. I don't think so. Yeah. I think they're that similar. They're not very similar, but I can't see Brads are picking them in the same team a lot. No, yeah. I mean, they do. They, they're they're not like totally similar, but I think mm. Gary O'Neill seems seems mm. to have a, a little bit more pace and agility than Greg, maybe, and that's why yeah. I think uh, probably more dynamic, maybe. I mean, like, like now, I think we were up the road zone earlier on, and we says, and Gary, <coughs> Gary O'Neill walked in, and he was checking his pockets, and I could hear a kind of muffled cry. <laughs> Danny Mandrew still sitting in there. He's like, "You're not coming yeah. out. You're not coming out." Is that that's the worst Gary accent I know? Ah, Mandrew didn't get a sniff. No, he didn't. He's game. still a, he's still a very good player, but he didn't o- get a sniff. O'Neill was most people's man of the match, and uh, hard to argue with that one. Yeah, no, I couldn't argue with it. I thought he was excellent. Great to see such a dynamic performance from him, and mm. uh, like a, when when has an Im- a new signing made such an impact? An under the radar sign, someone that we just thought, eh, yeah, this is a sign. He seems okay, and he came in and just kind of blew everybody he away. Scored that goal against Brown. Yeah, albeit it didn't actually win the tie, but it was a big goal. Yeah, he's been brilliant ever since. So it's it's a yeah. it's an under the radar sign that has blown everybody away. I was really happy that we were shooting into the South Sand second half, because you know. You liked the, the anticipation of that. You know, oh. Maybe seeing a goal. But then as it transpired, we literally didn't have one attack in the whole oh. second half. So they gave us nothing to really kind of cheer about. <laughs> Do you know Obviously what? there were reasons. Balls were playing with the win second half. Five games in 15 days. Caught up with us. But Five games in 15 days. 15 points in 15 days. Exactly, yeah. 12 and a, and a cup win. 
Um, the, the one thing that 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 struck me as well listening to the Extra Time podcast was, I'm not sure which guy it was, but he said that we tend to sit back in the second half of games this season. And I totally disagreed with that. It's the opposite. It's the exact opposite. We sit back, rope-a-dope, sucker punch, bring them in, knacker them, and then play. I couldn't believe he said it. Maybe he meant the derbies, where we get kind of, they come on top of us on the derbies. But I, yeah. I just talked to him, he said, derbies, if he meant it say. in general, yeah. it, was a, it wasn't a great statement. Like, this game was the opposite of our usual pattern. We're normally kind of slow in the first half, and then came out firing, didn't we? Guns blaze in the second half. Yeah. Even uh, El Michael D was there with the chant. Mm. Michael D is a hoop. He hates balls. Yeah, so I don't don't think we even had a shot on goal in the second half. No, didn't we? I don't think so. Lee Grace was saying when I interviewed him a couple of weeks back that we need to shoot more. And same with Brad's. I telling Jacko to shoot more as well. Was it? I noticed that in the Waterford game, the home one just before this. Every time someone be on the edge of the box, shoot. we'd just be like, shoot! <laughs> and then Ethan Boyle has on the edge of the box, we're like, don't shoot! Yeah. Or cross! Dan Fulham started that one. And then he actually did shoot against Waterford, he went over a throw in. <laughs> we're like, that's why we say don't shoot! <laughs> but uh, yeah, the first half performance, bro, we had Jack Bourne, Corlo, Mumboye, they took a flick off a defender, didn't they? Um, yeah. Those positions are where you want Jack with the wind on your back. That's probably where you want Jack. And he had a couple of pops. He had one that kind of bounced into the keeper's arms. The other one that deflected off a header. They're the ones that you want Jack getting on with wind behind them. I mean, if you can, if you can bury one with the wind against them, imagine what you could do with the wind behind them. But it just never really, we never really tested. We um, played some, play some excellent football in the first half. Like there was a lot of confident, crisp passing. We totally dominated the half. Didn't allow balls to build up any momentum whatsoever. And you can often tell in the first 10 minutes of these derbies, like, if we're going to win it, unless it's going to be ruined by red cards, then it's game's turned on its head. Yeah. But, uh, and speaking of that, Finn got a yellow early on. So we were kind of speculating, would he be taken off? It was, it was, it was yellow. Yeah, but it was a 50-50 tackle. And my first thought was, any other derby this season, that's a red. Red, yeah. Second he did it, I just got his box. Finn's off. But it was kept a cool head. Because it was Hennessy though, I, I was more, you know, confident. Mm. But, but uh, not just during the game, but before, 45 minutes before the game even, Tala was rocking. Oh man, it was just such a good buzz, wasn't it? Yeah, there was just, there was just a fantastic buzz about the place and like the people bringing their kids to force games and just newbies coming <laughs> in and just, I mean, 7,000 people. That is what we should be aiming for every week. I know it's a massive jump. But I'd love to get that every week. There should be like a structured plan where we can aim to get between four and six in five years, and six and eight in the next couple of years. It's it's something that's really possible with the the, the fan base that's in Tala. I think so. With a bit of hard work and a bit of graft. But uh, let's talk about the goal now, Prof. Well, that was it was some atmosphere like as we were coming out, or sorry, as the players were coming out of the tunnel. Of course, you didn't see this. You were stranded at the corner of the ground, but. Just the green mist descending upon us. Oh, yes. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't... It got right into my nose, but it was enjoyable. Right into your nostrils. I couldn't breathe. Loving it. Um, but then the goal, Prof, the, the, the pass from McAniff. Yeah, love. Underappreciated. Like, a hop, a skip, and a stroke. He just... Top of the foot. Caressed. Top of the outside of the foot. Caressed and stroked like you would make love to a woman. I'm getting a bit too getting much into it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it would. He just stroked it out of him, and the second he did that, I just went, ah! And then Cavo gets it out left, whips it in, and we spoke about Cavo's delivery before. Yeah. A little bit of pace, 
little bit of accuracy, Cabins a little bit different than Jacko's. Cabins are more pinpoint. Pinpoint. Jack floats every single body. Well, actually, in the last couple of games. But it picks up pace. Last couple of games, Jack has had one or two bad corners. Yeah. But I'm hardly going to criticise him for it. But two. he does his little shimmy. But whips it, and yeah. then it's there's there's not much pace, but it, it's accurate and it picks up pace. But then yeah. like, Kavanaugh has a lot more pace on his ones. But that pinpoint, all you got to do is get a touch on it, and the pace on it. Borky's header was fantastic as well. Lovely into the yeah, ground. Great header. Talbot and his stupid Fina Fall face <laughs> buried into the muck. One nil Rovers. Suck on that. Roof nearly blew off the sales stand. Yeah, you caused the housing crisis, Talbot. Yeah, so. That was only uh, Berkey's second header of his career. Second header? Oh. The other one. Tap in. No, header, I mean. Tap in, header. Was it tap in? Yeah, it was oh. close range, wasn't it? It was against Waterford last year. Yeah, it was a tap in header. I'm nearly sure it was. Yeah. And it was his first derby goal. First derby goal for the, Bork, for the supposed Bowles fan, Borky, who is to... nowhere near a Bowles fan on his father's side, are Rovers true yeah, and we true. Of people we have that. tour generation there nearly, so he is Rovers to the core. Just because he grew up on the North Inner City does not mean he is Bowles. He is Kevin Street, Ivy Trust, Rovers to the core. If you actually look at through the team, how many of them had been had played in a win over Bowles? Like, Berkey Ooh. had two wins. Adam Anderson, Ronan Finn. Obviously, they played yeah. the wins. And Pico. only one more. Pico. Pico. Like, that, that was it. Yeah, Jesus. Lovely. Loving it now. Great interview mm. wearing green as well, if you saw it recently. Oh, you mentioned Talbot. Very, very honest. Very said honest. he's not going to be like Talbot. Very honest. Very professional. Yeah. Gave kudos where it was due. And uh, yeah, mm. made um, mm. Talbot look very, very silly. Yeah, like I said, Gary O'Neill, hard to argue, man of the match. He did great work in the middle. But I actually thought McAniff was unreal in this game. McAniff was game. so slick. Just a slick, smooth operator. It's just, like a training session at times for him. Ah, he's just so cool out there. Both players couldn't get near him at times. No, cool as you like. Ball retention, mm. passing, everything was on point from him. Like he faded in the second half, as did everybody. But that first half performance. Yeah, no, it was excellent. And brilliant. I mean, we have surely we have to talk talk about Pico. I think he headed everything that came his way. We were up in the Rollstone earlier. I said to him, "Listen, can you lower the television down?" He jumped up, headed it, <laughs> turned it off. Holmes under the hammer was gone. He, Dion Dublin, good night. Dion Dublin, see you later. <laughs> heading everything. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah, we move on to JMK on the forum, Prof. The forum is still alive and kicking. Um, from the get-go, there were little tugs and pushes and late nicks from the Bowes lads. This was clearly the plan. Wind us up and get a reaction that was largely ignored, which showed a bit of maturity at last. We cleared goal kicks and freeze up the pitch more often than usual. Again, a lesson learned from putting ourselves under pressure or worse, succumbing to Bowes pressure around our own box. We did When we did play around at the back, it was much more deliberate and crisp. I only recall one second half balls press having an impact. So good work, great show, and great observation because it's something that we became a little bit more savvy and and smart as regards to our play. Instead of giving the ball away in our own half, putting ourselves under pressure, doing the right thing, and not not necessarily giving giving it away, but mm. giving a, a a direct pass outside your own half instead of putting yourself under pressure. There was nothing rash or steady from our left backs as we have seen in previous derbies. You know the two. Fullbacks, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm referring to there. Yeah, we certainly do. They did try and press us, but we were much more composed this time. Yep, yeah, definitely great work, and we did our homework. So, um, 
the half time we'll move on to half time prof um the Rovers amputee team double winners paraded their trophy at half time so fair play to them to a packed stand yeah. celebrating in front of the boys so great to see it's the noisiest half time I can recall people are going <laughs> yeah. nuts it's just brilliant isn't it you gotta, you gotta love the derby boys but um, yeah the second half so uh, moved on quickly we've seen an amazing double goal line clearance of Bork as he cleared a Darley header off the line before I think it was I think it was a it was a Leahy header yeah and then it was a Cornwall's follow up shot which is going top corner yeah hard to melt Borky in the mush so excellent hopefully I don't think he was moving his head away from it <laughs> he couldn't get it out in time but it was a brilliant block and saved the game to be honest well you could tell the way the second half was going to go the first 15 minutes we just didn't start at all and they were getting on top and it just continued like that I think Levinson had a volley wide um, they had a couple of corners in a row as well the volley like was good volley was about a foot wide but it was well yeah. struck and Alamanis had to shuffle they had like three or four corners in a row at one yeah, point I hate that I think yeah. your man Andre Wright's not bad he played well yeah. I thought he was good he was uh, inventive he scored four against UCD yeah, so Pico knew that in the quiz Pico knew that yeah no he's, he's definitely decent um, like we we managed the game well okay we didn't play attacking wise we didn't play at all but we managed the game well but sometimes you have to do but that's what it's all about at times yeah. especially in derbies like if if we had went out and played the same way we played in the first half in the second half we probably would have lost that or drew and conceded we managed the game and I thought that um, I mean balls never really did they, they, they I mean apart from the header off the line hmm. Manus didn't make a save they didn't look like threatening they had a lot of pressure in and around in front of our back four and um, I don't think they t- t- deserve a point maybe no I probably don't probably if you watch it back as a neutral you might say ah oh, well balls other than the goal line clearance maybe they weren't as threatening as it seemed but because from our point of view everything we had seen before you're just expecting the peno <laughs> or a long range rocket to go uh-huh. in so it was so tense that second half yeah, but like like we said, it was um, it was a great performance. I think we did, we were deserved of the win. I mean, and we've said it before when we when we haven't been up to scratch and we've 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 lambasted the team for not being good enough. I think we were good enough this time to take three points. Let's do manager watch as well because one of the criticisms leveled against Brazzer is that Keith Long has has uh, out taught him tactically. So his first sub was Bowser for Burke. I love the subs by the way. When we had to weather that storm, yeah, and that 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 helped. His subs are excellent. I think we made three before they made one. Very possibly. Yeah. Um, can I just say that something I thought was uh, was 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 cheap and it's it's stank of an excuse was long. Like he'll never ever talk about income or or resources when they win, mm-hmm. but then he just threw out the the first thing he said. The first thing he said. Well, they get the quote. Get the quote there because this this kind of it just if if was if was Bradley, I'd just be like, why mention that? First thing he said in his interview in Air Sport was about the massive disparity in resources. Like, where's that been for the last eight games? Why hasn't he talked about that? You can't talk about that. If we start to turn the table in these derbies, which I think might happen now, that's what the narrative will come. Will be about. It'll be about resources. And they act as if budgets. they don't pay wages. It's bullets. Watch how many times the word budgets we've mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that disappointed me a little bit was that we never looked like being able to hit them on the break. We did. There wasn't like... See no, when Jack got the ball in the middle of the park? It was on a couple of times, wasn't it? Yeah. It had wide players just... It just wasn't happening. Like Jack would have the ball and you're like, right, the one man you want to start counter-attack. 
and it, it was like we were too slow getting up around them yeah and it just wasn't happening like exactly what you're saying I get exactly what you're saying it was just we weren't quick enough we just weren't quick enough off the mark to counter like I'm sure Graham was knackered but he still kept going and yeah, going yeah. and he was still sometimes he'd hold up the ball and there'd be no one there it wasn't even green. Um, I'd, I'd be pointing the finger, not pointing the finger, but I'd be saying it was like a cabinet, maybe Finn and players just getting in and around Jacko mm. when he when it was time to break. But maybe I don't know. Maybe Brad's. I said, listen, we don't necessarily have to hit these on the break and and, and give the ball away potentially. Let's hold on mm. to it and, and let's slow the game down. You never know. But we call it spade a spade. The hectic schedule. Uh, Five was, games was in fifteen ma- days. It was a massive factor. Five games in fifteen days, and we won every fucking one of them. You gotta yeah. fucking put your hands up and say, well done. Well fucking done, Brad's on the team. Because that was a fantastic achievement. We would not have gotten anywhere near five wins or five last year. This team has grown in character and strength and ability. And they have won five games in 15 days. And that is a fantastic achievement. So you got to hold your hands up and congratulate them. Because it's been brilliant. And it's been fantastic as a fan this season anyway. I mentioned the intensity of that second half. Oh, especially man. that last 10 minutes. Or, or the last like... Three four minutes was just nobody was even watching the game. We were just screaming for the whistle, yeah, screaming for it. Oh, and brilliant. then the noise when that whistle blew, I felt the effects when I went to bed that night. My ears were ringing. Unbelievable the noise and like it was just it was a sound of relief, wasn't it? Absolute. It's, it's relief. just like it's just a collective groan. Like everybody was just like, ah, oh. <laughs> just thank fuck it's on we did it it's done and the celebration afterwards were wild the south stand was hopping up and down it was crazy fantastic to see I told and you other fans would come to their celebrations didn't they 100% on the button nailed on and uh, do you know what I'm delighted it's like, it's like I'm licking their tears <laughs> I'm just like, yeah keep coming drinking yeah. drinking the tears I was like just do you know what I want them to say that why because you celebrate fucking derbies football is fleet and we always say it what are we supposed to do bravo lads chill here no you don't you go nuts you celebrate winning the derby that's what you do every single time Dublin is green and white whenever we win it's green and white whenever they win it's black and red you celebrate a derby like there's no tomorrow everybody does it and if you don't there's something wrong with you as a football fan you should go and follow cricket or whatever that's the way it is. Go. He can other team celebrations. Must be the saddest. I didn't know football. Rovers won the league tonight. Fuck off. How about that? You celebrate however you feel in any given moment. You're not going to stop midway and go, oh, celebrating a bit much here, prof. <laughs> like you're not going to pull me and go, gar. Better tone down. It's a bit much. Yeah. No, not happening. Naked in the south stand. That's, that's what's that's, going. That's <laughs> But uh, what a night to be a hoop girl. What a night to be a hoop yeah, Robert Goggins snapped me Outside the dressing room Oh uh, with a big, madam With big smirk in my face Oh It was there the whole weekend That smirk <laughs> I'm just Where are the sawyer emojis <laughs> um, Actually the first thing I did the final whistle Obviously like You're hugging and high-fiving people But my, In terms of like Where I looked I looked over the bench Because I wanted to see That instant pure joy from the staff and I just saw Brazzer and Crown and how much it meant it was fantastic wasn't it yeah and Brilliant. then and then after the game the players they'd never come that close to the stand before they were right up there like Aaron Green wins the award for most happy hoop I think he was giving oh, it see him mid game though yeah. mid game he was looking up at the fans yeah. going come on give it socks I was like go on Gorilla uh, it, was, it was excellent you can see what excellent. it meant and there was a great photograph yeah. 
like there's so many photographs of Brad's there with the head down and like just sunken from a defeat and then there was a great one of him giving it socks and then fucking long just in the yeah. background skulking around like, like a little iconic creep that he is that, yeah. that interview with Greener you mentioned where he mentioned Talbot and all that he also said that the, the secret formula was actually to change nothing we didn't change our style of play whatsoever yeah brave um, brave move before the game a few of us in the whatsapp group were like you know what I'd actually have Adam Mance just go long for the first half hour just change it up but, uh, totally, totally against whatever we have been instilling in this team. And yeah. Brad's just stuck with his fucking ethos and his methods and paid off. Yeah, it's good to see. And he, he must feel unbelievable. Sitting at home now just thinking everything I believe in is starting to pay off. Possibly. But it, it's it's just, it must be a good feeling that all the effort and work that he's been putting in is starting to <clears throat> bear some sort of fruit as regards to the playing style that he wants. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, it's all looking good at the minute. Trophy is the only thing that remains to do. Trophy is the only thing that remains, Prof. Let's not talk too much about it's that. It's obviously the only important thing, but it, it takes a while to get there. Mm. Uh, so, order has been restored and Dublin is officially green and white and back to uh, normal. The monkeys are back here. The monkeys are back. Fucking silverback fucking gorilla. Um, so, so, like I said there, do you think now that we've gotten the better of the derby, or sorry, now that we've won, and we've ended the jinx and the curse and the hoodoo and all. Will it really start to turn now? Well, we hope it will. We hope it's a mental block that has been unblocked. And I think if if we beat Galway, I think we're going to get balls. Um, it's a big game off already. It's a must win. Have we said that on the podcast this year? Must win. A must win. I think we have. It's I a think must we win. did against Dundalk. I don't care what anyone says. Dundalk at home, we you said You can slate me all you want. Friday's a must win. Against Galway, way. I don't care what anyone says. It's a must-win. So um, it's a must-win Tiger. Yeah, it's a must-win toy. And uh, not that I want the replay, but no, there's sure there's there's a uh, none. So I'll go straight to extra time. Isn't no, it? it's replay. Replay on Monday if required. <sighs> okay, okay, right. Not the worst thing in the world, but we do want the win out there. I don't think they'd be able to for us in Tala. But um, yeah, so good performances all over the park, Prof. Pigo, like yeah. I said, just. Like heading absolutely everything inside, yeah. as you said, Mandrews still inside Gary Neal's pocket, still in his pocket. Still, Gary, by the way, I'm still waiting on news of his five match suspension for celebrating in front of the Shelburne fans. I saw that, yeah, in the cup, uh, visibly, visibly there. It's it's plain and simple, and it's right mm. there in front of the video evidence. But no, I'm sure I'll be announcing any day now. Unbelievable. So, why, why isn't he, why isn't he getting it like? Listen to the Conor Cairns because uh, of the reaction. The Bose fans went nuts, caused a stir. That's actually what it is. That's what he hinted at. That's what he said today. He said because yeah. of those fans, that is the reason he got a long ban. Yeah. Simple. And he's right. He's dead right. And he spoke very well. Spoke very well. Very well. Very, very well. Very well. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah. Pico, man the match award. Well deserved. And... Uh, big dirty grin on his face which was all over Twitter <laughs> so uh, it's become a meme now isn't it yeah it is <laughs> gladly so brilliant and uh, some Facebook reaction Anthony Kyo said a Rovers chat after a Bows game without a meltdown happening get in there hoops which is something that I was straight in work afterwards and I just at one stage I put the feet up lay back in the office and I just looked at Twitter looked <laughs> at Rovers chat yeah. didn't skim it 
went through it all and just thought, yes, this is the shit. Gary, even Darren Glennon made a positive post. Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. Good old Darren Glennon, whose opinions I do love because they're they're so wild and crazy and out there. But you have to you have to give it to me. He admits when he's wrong. You gotta give that to him, which some people don't do. So with more, with Juz, he posted this. He says, "I'm too old for this shit." Psychologically, that was fucking huge for tonight. Five games, fifteen days, five wins. I'm almost as ecstatic tonight as I was when I heard Joey O'Brien went to mass. Old <laughs> 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 Juz, the churchy. Mick McCarthy loved that as well. Yeah. It was like I was like, oh, I loved when he said he went to mass, Carl. I fucking make it say mass. <laughs> Uh, so Jason Maloney the heart of the row working class Dublin hipsters have been put back in their box they've had the bragging rights in this fixture for far too long and we've rubbed their noses in it so tonight we're going to celebrate like it's 1899 they will criticise our exuberant celebrations and their mouthy director Daniel Lambert will tweet that money can't buy a class but their bitterness is understandable as last night it really was 1-0 in their cup final so once again Maloney with some fantastic words and he's dead right the less said about Daniel Lambert the better the guy has worked um, Keith Comerford said he'd forgotten what it felt like to wake up in the morning after a derby happy so he is a happy happy man that is my cat meowing outside the door yes and I'll carry on it's Lacey <laughs> is a porn star's name by the way this is but it's prof, not it keeps it's, saying. it's a perfectly acceptable name for an animal Lacey is a porn star's name let's get it straight and you shut your fucking meowing let's go the sooner we get back to Johnny Blues the better <laughs> yeah Glenn Dunn said the junior hoops usually do a guard of honour before each game, but we did one at the end of the game tonight. We asked Keith Ward that he wanted to join in and waving the flags, but he sadly declined. <laughs> they were the shit houseery here was unbelievable. Junior hoops were winding them up to bits, and they were just waving the flags at constantly at the balls fans for like ten <laughs> minutes afterwards. So they are being taught the ways, except Bill Gleason. Yeah, might even watch Soccer Republic this week. Or I haven't watched it in months. I haven't recorded and I haven't watched it in about two or three weeks and Jaden was watching it the other day so I thought to myself do you know what I have to, I have to start because normally the Soccer Republic highlights will pop up on your phone so I watch it there but it's not as if you're missing out on much so 7,021 a new record league attendance which I can add one to because Sean O'Connor got in late and his ticket wasn't scanned so it's 7.022 yeah the record competitive attendance is still Spurs in the Europa League group stages and all games is obviously still Real Madrid what was that 10 11,000 yeah the guts yeah but uh, yeah 1200 reprobates all silenced mm-hmm. and uh, I was listening out for the old triangle wasn't going jingle jangle <laughs> no and I was listening out for like there's only one Stephen Bradley and I couldn't hear it there couldn't, couldn't hear the old jingle jangle or the old triangle could you they weren't singing they weren't singing at all by the way do you remember some of our fans giving out that we kept giving Dundalk and Bowes half the East End and it was a mistake and all and I kept saying like yeah but when we beat them that will shut them up and it'll be great right can I can I say something about this now actually while I think of it I think it was a good thing to give them 1200 right mm-hmm. I mean that's 8 or 900 let's say you give them 8 or 900 does it really matter if you give them a couple of hundred more we're the winners at the end of the day win lose or draw we're still getting money right Let's let's take their money Let's profit from them. As a as a spectacle, in a in a whole, it was a fantastic thing. Like it really was. The whole of the East Stand was nearly full. The whole of the ground was nearly full. We may had a good payday. We got the three points. Even if we didn't get the three points, 
I think I think we should all start increasing away attendances as regards to um, allocations. Yeah, I, th- I, agree, I, th- yeah. I, I think I do. I think it was a pro- possible masterstroke on whoever decided to give them that many tickets. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been, yeah. Really do. They were louder in the second half, obviously, but that's natural. I didn't yeah, hear that. I didn't hear much of them, to be honest. Well, the second half, I mean, it follows the the ebbs and flows of the game. Yeah, it's like Gus and Daddy when we're down, yeah. which has been a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. So we just kind of opened it. I mean, bit. not P-Bell in the first half, we were on top. You know, it's how it goes in football. But uh, it was all worth it for that look of disappointment on their faces. Yeah. The full-time with And uh, the And Twitter and all sorts. And it was just, it's, it's just good. Mm. It's good to be back. Did you notice recently it was the 10 year anniversary of the opening of the East End? No, no way. Yeah, aka Alamanis' debut, aka my first Rowers. Oh, rough. Very good, nice. And uh, when Connor Kearns was on the podcast, he mentioned this. He said, uh, Yeah, the name of the podcast it hasn't aged well, Carl. Shut up, Carl <laughs> We're not changing. You don't speak well. <laughs> It's, it's too late to try and rebrand at this stage. No, definitely not. What would we do? Like Tiffs's, Tiffs's, Tifties would turn to Tiffs, Tiffs. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. No, it's not happening. Um, yeah, the pub afterwards, Prof. Tell me about it. Actually, don't tell me about it because I wasn't there. Right next. Well, um, I only I only <laughs> popped into the Abo for one, so I don't have that many stories. But the, the Barretts were in town, so that always. The Barretts were in town, always, and they're in uh, town again on Friday. Yeah. They're on the Tifties bus. Ah, Tifties Express is jam-packed. Yeah. We didn't even advertise a prof, and it is literally full to the brim. We have people on standby as well, so yep. we are full. 54 seats, full, going to Galway. It's going to be mayhem. Apparently, I was told that uh, Leinster Senior Cup team and the Proctor saw me in the Abo, and he goes, is that the famous prof? <laughs> and I was like... We met before, like <laughs> yeah, he doesn't remember that. <laughs> Kenny you Barrett, re- can you remember that? Kenny B was like, uh, "Well, he's pissed, Carl." So that's why he doesn't know. But uh, him and Ozzy Nate trying to converse, there was some language barrier there, as you can imagine. Yeah, Anto makes up his own languages when he's on the yeah. piss. Steve Barr wants more documentaries. Ooh, he says the kids at the end of the documentary they get bitten. And that ushers in a zombie apocalypse. Yes, I'm totally, totally in favour of that. Steve said that. Yeah. Oh, Steve, all over that. <laughs> zombie apocalypse, yes. Get so to pick their weapons then. Documentaries just keep coming. What did Shazzy pick? Shazzy picked a suit of armour. I was like, it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> How are you going to move? I'm just going to stay there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's the zombie apocalypse section done with. Um, yeah, so is this one of the toughest years ever for a young player of the year award? Why did you say this? Because Connor Foley, Barry Bear, said this to me last night. A couple of people said to me. He said it to me, and he said, "Who the hell are we gonna pick?" It depends on the criteria. Jack Burns twenty three, so does he qualify? It was the twenty three and under. Or? I don't know. It I depends on the criteria. Because Billy Denny, he won it one year. He was about twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, it's a tough one. Jacko could sweep the boards here. Like realistic contenders, Dylan Watts and Ethan Boyle, but have they? No, they're not blowing anyone away. No. Thomas Alou has only played a few games, but no. Gavin Bazuna only played six games last season, so... Yeah, but he hasn't had the same impact. Any of those players that you mentioned mm. there, Barr, Jack, if they received an award, you'd, you'd be like... Do you yeah. know what I mean? Realistically. And if when they received it themselves, they'd be looking at it going, do I, do I deserve this? You know. I think if Jack is not on the, the pole, then Dylan Moss will get the ball. Just give the Jack. I don't care if he's 28. It's probably between Jack and Pico now for senior player of the year. Oh, God. Jack, Pico, 
Cavo's <clears throat> no Cavo has been a steady seven to eight and a half, eight, a steady eight, seven to eight every mm. week. Pico, Jack, yeah, that's that's fair to say. Joey was until he got injured for me. Joey was absolutely excellent. Yeah. Um, Greener deserves a mention. Absolutely. Greener deserves a mention. He could pop up with a couple more goals and get the golden boot. I was just about to mention Greener. It was uh, it was Chris Hyland was talking about this. If there was like a most improved award, is that it, something you it'd, want? It'd be like a shoe in. Is that something you want though? Not in a patronising way. I, I genuinely think if he got that, he would never live it down with the Rovers players. They'd be like, yeah. most yeah. improved. Okay, well let's say not an actual award then. But like, most improved or most surprising winner. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Most, an appreciation award, fans appreciation award possibly. Mm. Like we could even come together and get him like, yeah, like fan appreciation award. Or most kilometers ran the season. The guy just does so much work. Yeah. But yeah, that was the the young player award. It's gonna be a tough one. But uh, Carl, you want to say a couple of things about the hoop scene? Yeah, when I came in the door for the balls game of the eight nine nine Barry, you know, Kieran McDermott, he sells the programs. Kieran, before I even get a hello or a well or end, I just got page twenty one. I'm like, what? Page twenty one. He's talking about that's his article. The the, the big scoop. On Kieran was on page when he won a hoop scene. That was a good read. Got to learn all about Kieran. He was on the show before, remember? How many years for He did, the uh, remember, his, remember his corner? Oh, it's a few decades now, isn't it? A few decades, alright. But uh, he's really changed the tune on Aaron Green. He's so impressed by him. Oh, and th- I tell you yeah. what, that took a lot. Yeah. As has Ozzy Nate. Remember after Norway? He was like, get rid of him. Yeah, what did he say? He fuck shot. Yeah, fuck him, <laughs> fuck him out. Yeah, fuck him <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he said to me this morning, I was trying to get him something, and he goes, "Yeah, it's this fucking Ray's rocking horse shit." <laughs> I'm working with this on him. I'm working on. I want him to compile the list of wacky phrases he has. Rare as rocking horse shit. I was <laughs> fucking cracking up. And then what did he say? In, what did he say uh, in, uh, in in Bergen? Something about uh, dry as a as a wooden tit or something like that. Uh, I need to write this down. Dry as a wooden tit. So whatever it was, it's fucking brilliant. James uh, James Lowe started it. You know the Michael Collins meme? Yeah. Where like he's writing things down. He says, that's me now. Because that's how I remember all this funny <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's this madness around me and I'm just there scribbling it down. Oh man, he makes me laugh. So I need to write down these Aussie catchphrases. <laughs> also, what caught me on the programme recently was uh, Robert's fan Niall Foley lives in Scotland. He had an article in Hoop scene. He's attempting to build his very own Johnny Boo's bar. Actually, not well, Johnny, like his own type, cave, man type cave, bar. Yeah. yeah, he references us many times when he's talking about his abode. He references the podcast many times. He says there'd be no Johnny Boo's bar, but it'd be something. So best of luck with that. I tell you what, send us an invite. Yep. We can have an own Tifties Abroad edition. I'm sure JC is willing to be contracted abroad as well. A few whiskies. But uh, Niall, by the way, he... He supports Bran, as in the Norwegian team Bran we be, because his wife is from there. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. That'd be nice for an old Christmas visit. Imagine Bran yeah. in the snow. Be fantastic. And lastly, uh, a bit late with this, but Jason Maloney had an article about Dundalk going out of Europe. And he basically said what we were all saying in the group chat, and that is... Don't drop Borky. <laughs> no. And that was, when they lost the Carabag, that was a great result for the league. And don't let anyone tell you any differently because why would Dundalk getting 8 million more euro be good for the league? I actually had this 
feverish argument with somebody there recently. I won't say who he is, but he genuinely thinks that it would be good altogether for the league for, for Dundalk to get that type of money and I said it wouldn't because the league is not benefiting from it whatsoever and he was like oh well the, the media and the fans and everybody would take up sit up and take note more people go to the games no they would hoover up all the good players splash on wages 8 million to one team is not going to do us any favours whatsoever and he said you're not looking at the bigger picture I says yes I am my picture is Rovers <laughs> And then he'd be giving out to me saying that I'm, oh, I'm all about the, the improving the league. I say, I am. But that's my, not my responsibility. We were just going to focus on Rovers. I'd love for the league to get better, but we had to focus on Rovers. It was a, it was a heated discussion. Uh, I'd feel it myself. Like, lads in work, when I, I was saying I didn't want them to win, they were calling me unsporting and all. I'm like, I'm like, go over to that, that Liverpool fan there and ask him, does he want Man United to win a Champions League match? And he'll say no, and yeah. you won't question it. Yeah. Why are you questioning my hatred of Dundalk? It's patronising, that, really, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. It's patronising. Yeah. There was a Rawers fan on Twitter. It got highlighted on the Rawers chat, basically saying that he, I think he said he went to the game at Tala and he was cheering them on. Are you serious? Our, our response is, get out of the club. Ch- get, my favourite saying at the yeah. moment, get out of the club. Cred the berry for that one. Get out of the club. So, so he... Uh, imagine. Seriously. Identify yourself. Oh, he did. It's on Twitter. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. name and shame, but he's there. Yeah. Crazy. And uh, interesting article there, Prof. Uh, Dundalk journalist James Rogers. This is brilliant, I think. He outlines a bizarre setup where ex-Sky Sports interviewer Andy Borton, who's involved with recruitment at Dundalk, is agreeing deals with players that Vinnie Perry essentially doesn't want, i.e. David Myler. Uh, the pieces ruffled a few feathers in Dundalk. So um, this is something that will create tension no matter what in any club because I think it was possibly a Newcastle manager spoke about it before that he turned up and he had two new players at training and he didn't even know who they were a couple of years ago. So that type of thing I don't think I'd be able to deal with as regards mm. to someone being above me and signing players for me. This is the guy engaging in. I had no problem taking in advice and, and sitting with a panel or like in a boardroom and, t- and talk about targets and things like that. But for somebody to kind of just drop one, drop a player in and go, there you go, me out, mate, there's left full. And this was like a League of Ireland stalwart or something. This is the guy who was having banter with Andy Gray and Richard Keyes. Yeah. And is this, like, and he's talking about, was that, that true? Trying to sign um, David Muller? Yeah. Uh, isn't he crocked? I don't know, but it's fact, but that's what we, yeah, no, he's that's what we heard. Now. I'm nearly sure now he's retired. Yeah. Absolutely crocked. Crazy that Linfield won the first leg against Carabag, the team that beat Dundalk 3 0. I know. Actually, beat them 3 2. Bastian Erie. Went out in the end. But pulling the strings. That was, that was nuts. Yeah, so um, we have a new appointment in the league, and it's Stephen O'Donnell has stepped in as the new Pats gaffer with Harry Kenny. Um, resigning after their shock defeat UCD in the FAI Cup uh, this one was a ball from the blue for it was yeah I I know I, I didn't even know he had his pro licence um, it's a strange one they have to give him at least 18 months but you could have said that about Harry remember, he, remember the clamour for Harry to replace Bradford yeah I know it was nuts I, I don't know I really don't I, it's, a, it's a shocker anyway so Stephen O'Donnell new pass manager 
We've underage results now. We have the Rovers under 19s. Came from behind twice to draw 2 2 with Galway at Rolstone. We've Luke Kelly and Thomas Olua with our goals. Olua was also on the score sheet for their 3 1 win over Sligo at the Rolstone a few days earlier and sent them through to the final of the End of McGill Cup and they'll meet Bowles. So that's something that we would definitely <laughs> head out to, Prof. Definitely. And with the 17s, they won 5 1 away to Galway. The 15s beat Waterford 8-0 at home and the 13s won 1-0 in Limerick. So uh, some good wins all around and our internationals on this weekend. Only one Young Rovers team are in action. The 15s have bows away in the league. So uh should be very interesting. And then we have Big Chef Ray Wheel. He is still not come on the show. It's very, very hard man to get on. I, I, I doubt he'll ever come on. Borderline <laughs> assault if you ask him. So... Uh, spent the day working at the under 11 tournament up in Roadstone Graham Barrett's under 10 team also took part uh, to even up the numbers Brighton, Finn Harps, Monaco, Linfield and two junior teams took part the football our boys played was dazzling it was Rovers under 10s versus Rovers under 11s in the final with the older lot winning 1-0 Brighton in particular couldn't get over how good we were a double decker bus took Rovers, Monaco and Brighton to our game and both clubs couldn't get over how our kids were actual Rovers fans singing songs on the way to the game etc Seriously impressive stuff, and uh, that sounds unbelievable. Something I really agree with, with Ray. I've seen these teams play, they've been in Jane's League, and they're fucking outrageous. They're really, really good. Um, scary, scary how good they are. And they are the ones, they are the genuine products, they are the real ones who we have been developed from grassroots. That is how you develop a player, not just uh, throw your name onto a different DDSL schoolboy club. And, and talk about producing players. That's not how you do it. This is how you do it from the ground up. And uh, yeah, so next up, Prof, we have a we have a belter. It's the quarters, Quifty's quarters, and it's Greg Bulger versus Eden Boyle. Okay, so we're back in the Rollstone, and we have the Quifty's quarter final between Greg Bulger and Eden Boyle. And the rules are: it's four to five point wins. We'll go back and forth between football and general knowledge, and you circle the question you want us to read out, and we have to take a forced answer. Steals are allowed, except for multiple choice questions. So uh, this one is to determine who goes first. The boys write it down already, didn't they? Got so to write it down. Yeah. What year was County Wexford founded by the Vikings? <laughs> So, Ethan, what did you say? 900, 9th century. Greg, did you even write anything? No, I didn't write anything, too. And Ethan no, was, he was, he was on, very close, it was 800 AD. Yeah, <laughs> he knew it still. I knew, he knew. You know, so, Ethan will go Only 100 years out, you yeah. could have made a guess, couldn't you? <laughs> could have gave it a pop. So, we got Ethan Force then. Ethan, uh, we let him pick between general knowledge and football. Yeah, so, pick, what yeah. do you want? Football or general knowledge force? I'll go general knowledge. We're going to circle a question there, and we'll let you know which one it is. Oh, oh, he's, he's gone for number one. Right, so the prof is about to start his timer. Right. So general knowledge number one. Tullamore is in which county? Uh, Tricky one, prof. Some would say. Oh, I'd have to say leash. We can pass that one on to Greg. Pass it on. Tullamore. Jesus. Is Carlo, is it? No. no. Geography lessons tomorrow. It's awfully. Awfully for the lads. Gary O'Neill coming in with the coffees. Awfully, yeah. Jeez, you're going you're gonna to regret that one, lads. <laughs> right, so Greg, uh, general knowledge for you. Circle one there. He's going for number six, and it is which month is All Saints Day in? 
All Saints Day, which month? I'm not sure. Um, October. You move that one on to December. No, it's the day after Halloween in November. So we have Eden now, Eden football. Circle, he's going for number 10. And name the player who just became Barcelona's youngest ever goal scorer in a league game. I've seen this. Um, That's a good question. What's their name, do? Youngest ever goal scorer. You don't know, do you? I seen that. I seen that. Same time related. I'm gonna give you two more seconds. Ah, uh, not past. I don't know. I've seen as I well. can't remember his name. Ansu, Diaz. Ansu <laughs> Fatty is his name. Two boys haven't had their wee bits this morning. No, slow start. Right, so we we'll go for Greg football. Number five. Uh, since Rangers returned to the top flight, they've met Celtic 16 times in the old firm. How many of them have they won? How many times have they played them? 16 times. Simple question. I know why you asked it. <laughs> <laughs> Got the timer again. I'll give you four more seconds. Um, seven. We pass on to Eden. How many times have they won in 16 games? Zero. No, close enough. <laughs> Two. Two was the answer. You can see why you asked that. Cause it's similar to our own record against Bowles recently. <laughs> uh, we go for general knowledge for... Greg and yeah. go ahead circle one there be ready to take right, number 8 complete the movie quote they make our lives they take d- they no they, they'll take our lives but they'll never take our freedom yes there's one one in the bag for Greg Bulger <laughs> <laughs> and uh, general knowledge for Eden no yeah yeah general knowledge, general knowledge. Yeah. he's going for number 7 and it is what's 14 multiplied by 14? Um, 14 by 10 is 140. 14 by 4. 4 seconds. Uh, 156. Pass it on to Greg. Ah! Greg is the eventual time right now. Um, why wasn't I thinking of that? I was just thinking that you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you say? One fifty-six. One forty-eight. Lads, come on. <laughs> one ninety-six. Right, four. Guys, won't be on the chase. Right, so we have uh, on to Eden now for football, isn't it? Number three. Which club have the worst home record in the League of Ireland Premier Division? This season. This season. I got this was on. Um, U C D. Has on the Greek. Yeah. Have, what was it? What was the question? Greek, yes. Worst home record. Yeah. I think the top scorer is Conor McCarthy. Yeah. Well, so the half. Yeah, it was on yeah, uh, really. it was a stat on the greatest league in the world this morning as well. Probably copy that me. So we have uh football for Eton, isn't it? We go back to general knowledge, I think. Is general knowledge one, two, three, four, general one, two? Greg. He's going for number three. Which country is Jean-Claude Van Damme from? Oh, Austria? Move on to Jesus I was going to say that. I was going to say that. I'm so happy you said that now. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme is... Austrian. Where is he from? Uh, 
Is he Norwegian? No, he's Belgian. <laughs> the muscles from Brussels now. <laughs> Right, so what do we have now? We have uh, General Knowledge Eden. Number 10. Who was the second man to step foot on the moon? Was it Buzz Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin or Buzz Lightyear? What was the first two, sorry? <laughs> no, I don't want to hear it, sorry. Buzz Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin or Buzz Lightyear? Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> He has it. He has one in the bag. Greg for football. And he's going for number six. And we have which Italian club are set to make their debut in the Champions League group stages? Let me down a little bit on the weekend. Debut. I know this. Atlanta. Oh, he got Ooh. it! I thought they were the last one. Half a second spare. Made the debut. <laughs> Torino beating 3-2 on the weekend. Uh, right, football. so we have football now. We'll stay at football for a while. Football. Number eight. Name the manager of Galway United. Alan Murphy. Yep. Sure. Oh, getting these easy questions. And we've got football again. Football, Greg. Yep. Number two. New Rover signing Danny Lafferty played for which two current Premier League clubs? Uh, Barnley Sheffield United. Oh. Oh. Celebrity sign. Oh. <laughs> Far two to Greg. Far two to Greg. Next one's the winner. And we have one more football question for Eden, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, he's going for seven. And eight this one. The record for Premier League hat tricks is jointly held by two players Alan Shearer and who? It's a multiple choice question, so it can't be stolen. We have uh, Robbie Fowler, Thierry Henry, or Sergio Aguero. So Alan Shearer holds it with one of these. Sergio Aguero? Oh, he's back. He's back. You've got, you got two multiple choices there. <laughs> so we go for. Uh, we go back football again. Go for Greg. Oh, he's for number four, half. Which Premier League club spent the most in the transfer window? Premier League club spent the most in the transfer window. Multiple choice, window. no? Eden got those, unfortunately. Geo, Arsenal, Villa, Everton. Eden, I was going to take a pop at this. I was going to say Everton. <laughs> say it again, Jack. And then you said... <laughs> Villa and oh, Aston um, Villa. Arsenal. I think the reason I got for Villa is because they made the most signings. Yeah, they, they made, they made, they made, made 12. 12. 154 million. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go general knowledge again, I think, yeah. Prof. And uh, yeah. is it me? me? No, it's me, it's you. I think it's Yeah, because that one was passed on to Eden. Name the Wexford man executed for his role in the 1916 Easter Rising. It's very fitting if you win it on this. Greg has a look of steel in his eyes here. I wouldn't mind. I live right behind the memorial place for it, and I don't Three know. Three seconds. I don't know. He's passing it on. Greg wants it. Adam Murphy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
So who were the last team to win the All Ireland before Dublin's four in a row? I'm going to ask you any question, is it? Oh, it's topical. Tony Gall? Hey, no. I was going to say that, though. I'm going to say that. Erm. Psh. Tartan up in. Rick has four, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. One more, and you win it. Tartan up in. Tartan up in. Tip. Uh, um. I'm going to have to say Kerry, even though it's not. Kerry's right. Oh! oh. Everybody Next, next one to win it. And uh, we stick with what we go for general knowledge. Back to football. Yeah. Football, yeah. We end it with football. So we go ahead, uh, Aiden. Go for number one. <laughs> Which four clubs have beaten? Tr- which four clubs have Rovers beaten three times or more in the league this season? He's gonna go mad because this is multiple. Mul- this is multiple. Mul- <laughs> it's not multiple choice again. <laughs> it's just not his ball. No, it's not multiple choice. Isn't it? Oh, it's not. It's not. Um, right, okay. Pause it. Three times. Well, we go again, right? Ready? Yeah, Which four clubs have Rovers beaten three times or more in the league this season? Go. UCD, Derry, and. Shit. Waterford. Wrong. I have to pass it on. Fuck! Four clubs, Rovers have beaten them three times or more in the league this season. Greg. Um, go. UCD. Finn Harps, Waterford, who's the other one? One more. Um, one second. Cork. Out of time. St. Pat's. This is far off. This is going down. Three times or more. Yeah. We bought it for four times. Right. This is going to have to go down to the wire. Now. Right, so what we got? We've got. Um, we're not being caught, you know, though. Drew, 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 Jesus Christ. Seconds. Three seconds. Um, <laughs> I've probably watched every game as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, England and... Uh, Germany. Belgium, England, and Belgium. Yeah. So it's down to the general knowledge. Where have we got this? We've got two. Oh, so yeah. I hope he's getting one. This number two, two number. Right. Right, Eden. Uh, July marked the eighth anniversary of the death of this troubled English female singer. English female singer. Eighth anniversary in July. She's dead. Eight years. Please, 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 please. Amy Winehouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bang! That's five four eight one takes it. That was the worst quiz ever. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Do you know what? That was a good game. <laughs> you actually got a multiple choice question at the end. No, I didn't. You would have. Uh, <laughs> yes. So that is it. It's 5 4, yeah. and we have eaten boiled through to the semis. Oh. The winner of Adam Manus and Joey O'Brien. Oh, anyway, competition. <laughs> so, yeah, we have uh, Greg crashing out. <laughs> Two extra boys. Um, mm. Great comeback, Pete. Great comeback. He yeah. was far too down there. Mm, there was a couple of them that they should have got. Personally, I thought. But uh, yeah, so that's Eden Boyle, true, and he's in the semis now. He's playing the winner of Joey and Manus, so the mammoth toy. That, that knocks a lot of people out of our it prediction does, contest. Yeah. Nineteen more gone. Woo! Victor Bolger, I think only I had a quick look earlier. Only eight people remain. So in the is, contest, that is whittling it down. I'm convinced. Me and Sean Keane are the only two people going to get this right. Yeah, he's not going to win. And since I can't claim. Tifty's merchandise. It's gonna to have to be Sean Keen. Yeah, he won't. He, yeah. won't. he won't. He won't. He's on the list of hatred. Definitely. Um, what did you think of last week's one? Uh, heated arguments over, with Pigo over this, the yolk of an egg thing. Um, I think Brazzer got I, involved. Brazzer was that Brazzer that got yeah. involved? What did Brazzer say? He just he asked was a dodgy question. The, I think I think because you said grammatically. Yeah. Is what threw him off. If you didn't say that. Hmm. I'm blaming Ray Wheeler Senior for this. That's the way he yeah. gave it. I think Pico after the debate raged on off air, and he said, "I could have said, which statement is true." Grammatically, I think was what screws you. So mm. that's uh, Ray Wheeler Senior yeah. on listening. No, no more trick questions. We're just gonna play it straight down the middle from now on. Pico, when looking at his map to the final, he's got uh, Aaron McIniff in the semis, and he would potentially play Joey in the final. And Pico goes, "Yeah, Dale." <laughs> and I'm like we're not going to the UV but like it's just going to be a rose dump all the family showing up Pico 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 right so we prof what's our famous for give us your stats show us your stats still don't have a stats jingle after two and a half years yeah because we were sitting here wondering what does stats what does stats sound like <laughs> so as I mentioned last week we prevented balls from getting a record five consecutive wins against us and a record nine league games unbeaten against us. Uh, their best ever had been nine in the 1970s. Our best ever unbeaten run in the derby was 23 games from 1984 to 1990. So that puts us 15 points clear of balls, second place, pretty much secure. A couple of people asked me this, including Maloney. He said, have we ever finished ahead of balls in the league in 10 straight seasons? Ooh. And the answer was yes. We did 15 in a row. This is when Bowles... 15? This is back when Bowles used to finish bottom of the league most years. So from 1952 to 1966, the best they ever did was eight in a row. They did it in the 1970s and the early 90s. They finished ahead of us in the league. As they say, Prof, forever in our shadow. Mm-hmm. So this is our best run against them since they turned professional in 1969, I believe it was. So... Caught the staff from McDowell actually. He said, uh, We've won all six games that Berkey has played in since he came back. And in fact, if you go back further to 2018, we've won the last eight games that he's played in. Ooh. A bit of a lucky charm. So Berkey is the charm. Very enthusiastic let's, yawn let's, there. Thank you for that. Let's just uh, remember that uh, Jason Maloney wanted to drop him. And me. Yep, and you, prof. As for, there's a parody, isn't it? As for Galway. We're unbeaten against them in 28 meetings. Some record against these. And give me the goals for. I'd say that. That's uh, stunning. This has gone back to October 2006. 
Their manager, Alan Murphy, that was a quiz question, was with them that season, so he might have played that day. Ooh. Uh, so yeah, nothing but misery for the Maroon Army. The Maroon Army, the tribesmen. Yeah. So um, got to mention last week that Draw had played in red against us. What was that, Bill? Red? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, they wore red, red and black. We're trying to intimidate us or something. Probably, yeah. Where was the, where was the, the purple? Kit, yeah. Where was the purple gun? So 18 consecutive wins over Galway, which is actually not a club record. Remember I used to bring up this team all the time? Oh, Fortins, no. No, you're on the right track. Uh, Buttercup, <laughs> something. It's Jacobs. Jacobs, yeah, it's close enough. The Biscuit Makers. The Biscuit Makers. We beat them 22 times in a row in the 1920s and 1930s. We've only met Galway three times ever in the FBI Cup, and two of them were finals. It's a quirky stack. Yeah, one that we don't want to remember. Yeah, we beat them in 1985. They beat us in 1991. The other was a 6-0 win in Tata. In the 2010 quarterfinal, I remember James Chambers cracker that day. I think he scored two. Yeah, very possibly scored two crackers that day. Spinner with the outside of the foot. Yeah, from from distance. That's it. So that's the stats for today. And next up, we are going for starting elevens and predictions. Right, Prof. I'll let you go first because I need to. I need to dwell. No, I need to dwell. Oh, fuck you, right. <laughs> go on, Manus. Pico Grace in the middle of defence. We're gonna go for Cavo. No, Cavo's 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 too good up top. I'm gonna to put Lafferty there. So Lafferty left full. Centre half Pico and Grace. Roy full Joey on the left of midfield. That has to be Cavo. Has to be Cavo. He's been excellent. Borky on the right side of midfield. Greener up front. And then the three centre midfielders will have to be Ron Finn, McInniff, and Gary O'Neill. I just think that that team. I'm not making any changes either. So, but Gregus. Gregus Bulger Gregus of Bulgerus could come into the team there but Gary O'Neill mm-hmm. doesn't deserve to be dropped Finn ran his socks off he's his club captain uh, McAniff was excellent as well uh, no I can't drop anybody it'd be very harsh no I'll go with the same team plus we've got a week off after this so don't really have to there's been previous games where we kind of have to think about the next game who we're resting and all Yeah, we've got a gap week because that's a knock game is off so. Uh, so we can go all out yeah. and my prediction is 14-0 um, and oh. <laughs> all time record no I'd say I'm confident I think that we'll be able to go I mean these I think the third bottom in the fourth division possibly 10 or 12 points behind Cove Ramblers no offence to Cove Ramblers but they're not world beaters um, I'm going to go a nice a nice 4-0 mm. I'll say 3-1 win 3-1 win yeah I was talking to a member of the playing squad after the game against Balls and he was saying that in some ways, obviously it was horrible, but in some ways it's good that we have that Drahad experience under our belt last season. That's a great show. Because it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. And we're going to be very wary of like a banana skin. Yeah, because they know they've experienced it already and they know mm-hmm. they know the ramifications. So I, I really love that comment by that yeah, player. Yeah, definitely. Agree with that one, Prof. And uh, yeah, so we are missing Jacko. And if he plays for Ireland this week, he becomes the Rovers' 64th Ireland International. And if he features against Bulgaria, he'll be the first to play in competitive games since in 1985. So, uh, yeah, some exciting times at yeah. Rovers for Jacko. So we mentioned our bus already. It's full. The Tifty's bus is full. Is there a gentleman named Larmo on it? Larmo was on the last one. Northside pickup, and he's yeah. not on this one. Because he wanted me to give him a shout-out last time, and I forgot. So I'm doing it now. 
Big shout out to Larmo. There's my shout out. And um, yeah, so the other bus is seven going mm. as as a as I remember right now. So it's the Tifties bus is going right. Pride of Rings End, Hoops SC, Ultras, Gary Twig. What am I missing there, buff? Did you say Junior Hoops? Junior Hoops are having their debut. <clears throat> the Harry Bo Coke Express. There was seven anyway, but listen, yeah. we're going to be taking over Galway or a square. We're the going Wack, to Garvey's. The Wack Express. The Wack Express. How could we forget? But we're going to Garvey's, so what we're going to do is we're going to go straight to Ura Square, no fucking around, straight onto the bus at the Abo, three o'clock, into Ura Square by six, all mess and taken into account. Garvey's pub on the corner is going to be our base for an hour and a half, and then we're going to go into the game after that. So you're all welcome to join us. Garvey's, hold on, let me let me make sure I'm saying it right. Uh, Garvey's Select Bar on the corner of Forster Street. That is where we are going to be having an alpine, and uh, we hope to see you there, and we'll definitely see it in Galway. I love the uh, the permission slip signed by Brilliant, Stephen Bradley. Yeah. So there's one for work as well for the juniors. You have for adults. You have to love this club, don't you? Yeah. But uh, great work by uh, Junior Hoops, uh, except except Bill Obviously, we talked about the cup. <laughs> Poor Bill Keys. We talked about you start it all the time. You yeah. You're the initiator. We've talked about the cup all the time. Uh, I think it was after the the second round win. We're all just sitting there in the pub, and we're like, "Imagine we won the cup." Ah, oh, stop, will you? And then I'm like, "Imagine how many people have sat in pubs over the last thirty years, thirty two years, and said the exactly longer than this. I'm alive, Carl." Yeah. Yeah. Saw a big deck at a recent game. And he was like, oh, Jesus, prof, I was 27 when we last won the cup. I was like, I was bleeding too. Jesus, yeah. Like, now, like, Wack is eventually going to be like, love to, love to win the, what is it? The, the, what is it? He's not even going to remember what it yeah. is. It's been that long. I'm not sure how I feel about all this talk of a Rovers Bowes final. Oh, there's been a good debate on that and yeah. seeing if people would want it or not and they wouldn't be able to enjoy it. I, oh, got a bit of a, bit of a tingle there. Um, Hasn't happened since 1945. Wow. I, I say bring it on. Fuck it. Fuck it. Bring it on. Imagine how sweet it'd be. Fuck it. Let's go. But um, yeah, so that is it. Pretty love. much for today. Love, go on. Love to win that cup. Love to win the extra dollar cup. cup. <laughs> so we're the only cup game on Friday night. Two of them have been moved to Mondays. I'll be at Crumlin versus Bowes. So that is it. We are done for today. We will see you in Galway. And keep on hooping. See you. Thank you.